0: Welcome to the Sloth Investor Podcast with your host, Mr. Sloth.
1: The information on this podcast is provided for education and informational purposes only. The information contained in or provided from or through this podcast is not intended to be and does not constitute advice of any kind. Welcome everyone to episode 20 of the Sloth Investor Podcast. An investing podcast that explores why I believe the humble sloth is the best animal to characterize successful investing. Once again, I'm joined by my fellow sloth investor and co-host Jay. Jay, how are you on this sunny day in Hong Kong?
0: Well, that's it. It, That's just it, right? It's sunny. And, you know, I think it was maybe only seven or eight days ago I had my thermal underwear out, my long johns out, and uh, I was able to put them away this week because it seems like a light switch has
1: been flicked and uh, we're able to be wearing shorts and a t-shirt now. The times, they are changing. Hey, doesn't that sound like a song? The times are changing. And my goodness. does sound familiar. It does sound familiar. The weather has been so fine recently, nice and sunny. So I hope it continues. Long may it continue. Okay, so Jay, I think it's about time that we added another entrant into the Sloth Investor Hall of Fame. Regular listeners will know that our first two inductees were Jack Bogle and Warren Buffett. Two very good people. Indeed, two individuals that are extremely deserving of a place in the Hall of Fame. In this episode, though, I would like to shine a spotlight on someone much younger. Indeed, this is someone that I frequently refer to on several occasions during this podcast series, and that is Morgan Housel. Veteran listeners of this podcast will recognize in episode 16, we reviewed his incredibly successful book, the Psychology of Money, released in 2020. And I understand it's now sold over one million copies, so well done to him. Again, that's, a, that's, that's, that's impressive. That's it, impressive. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually amazing. It is amazing. I mean, it is incredibly amazing. It's such a great book. So for this reason, though, we we really went to town on that book in episode 16, discussed it in, in quite a bit of depth. We'll set aside that book for now and instead focus on and primarily explore the insights that he has provided via the numerous personal finance articles that he has written over the years. So Morgan Housel used to work for the Motley Fool, and whilst there, he wrote numerous articles crammed full of financially-themed pearls of wisdom. For the last several years, he's worked for the Collaborative Fund, an investment firm in the States. Again, I've lost track of the many razor-sharp articles he's written in that time. Therefore, it's quite a Herculean task to synthesize much of his thinking into a tightly-knit podcast episode, but Jay and I will do our very best. Jay, as I previously mentioned, we reviewed Housel's most recent book, The Psychology of Money, in episode 16. Aside from that book, is Housel's name one that's cropped up from time to time in your investing career so far?
0: Well, I got to admit that I'm, I'm pretty new to um, using The Motley Fool as sort of my um, part of my. Digging deeper, my investment strategy, and uh, I never came across them. I'll, I never noticed them. Actually, I would just read the articles on Motley Fool, not a by a particular person, but on a particular theme or a particular company. And when you started to point him out in your uh, in your podcast, and I thought, oh, actually, now I perked up and took notice of what he had been doing previously. And I, I you know, kudos to you because something like this podcast is excellent for pointing out people.
1: Perhaps I want to do a little bit. Um, more reading on. Mm, Sure, sure. Thanks, Jay. So, you know, I like to begin with an article that Housel published for The Motley Fool in December 2015, entitled, How to Give Financial Advice, A Lesson from Doctors. Now, let me state early on in this episode that something that impresses me, both as a reader and a writer, is Housel's enduring ability to synthesize ideas from other fields, i.e., in this case, medicine, and then to connect them to the realm of investing. This article is, an, is a supreme example of that. Okay, so I'll now read a section from that particular article. Begin quote. For decades, the relationship between doctor and patient was strict. Doctors made decisions, patients did what they were told. There wasn't a lot of negotiation between the two. This started to change in 1984 with the book The Silent World of Doctor and Patient. In it, Yale ethicist Jay Katz argued that medical decisions were inherently personal, so patients should be just as involved in making treatment decisions as doctors. Take two people with the same cancer. One may want to throw the kitchen sink at the illness. The other may decide to let nature take over. Both are the right decisions for them. This was foreign to medical researchers, who assumed all patients wanted whatever treatment had the best chance of success. Katz's book, profoundly changed how medical schools taught the doctor-patient relationship. The new relationship is a partnership. Doctors lay out a diagnosis, treatment op- options, risks, etc. But then the most important part of the conversation occurs when a patient is asked, what do you want to do? The decision is yours, as it should be. Investor needs a similar moment of clarity, end quote. Now, when I read that section of the article, it brings me back to one of my key beliefs about investing. And it's that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to investing. Indeed, it reminds me of the analogy that I habitually use in regard to the choices available to the individual investor, and that is of cuisine. So to use my restaurant analogy again, that I've used a few, a few times previously on a podcast, uh, quite simply, we all have different taste palettes. Likewise, as investors, we all have different investment palettes. I know what taste palette I bring to the dinner table. And likewise, it's important for investors to be cognizant of their own investment palette. Jay, circling back to Housel's analogy of a visit to the doctor, what are your thoughts on what he has to say?
0: Well, wow, well, you know what? It makes complete and utter sense to me. And I, I think back to... Um, doctor patient relationship and a a, a doctor's job is in part to make sure a patient understands the options available to them. And, Uh, If you're going with an investment broker, a good investment broker's job is to make sure you understand the options available to you and then uh, you allow you the tools to understand your your risk tolerance. And where I come from, this is all about risk tolerance. What are you comfortable doing? I I know some people, they like to do like a a sort of a a broad-based ETF and that's what they're comfortable with. Some people want to make sure that they have bonds, uh, a certain proportion in their portfolio and that has to do with risk tolerance. You know, and, and for me, I think about my own risk tolerance, and I'm willing to accept the the idea. It's a combination approach for me of ETFs, but as well as owning individual stocks. And mm-hmm. so it all, it all comes down to your own personal style. It no, no, there is no one fit one size fits all approach to investment. And I think that's what to me what really resonates with me when he makes that quote. Mm,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Jay. So <clears throat> let's now move on to an article published by Morgan Housel in June 2017 entitled The Reasonable Formation of Unreasonable Things. Darn it. Now, that is a great title for an article, okay? It's it's quite wordy, but I like it. It's it's pretty... But it makes you think. It does. It makes you think. it. It does make you think. It does. So the article was written by Housel during his early years at the Collaborative Fund. In the article, he references the work of Hyman Minsky, an American economist who spent most of his career at Washington University in St. Louis in the States. This is what Hausel has to say about Minsky's most influential theory. I'll begin quote. Minsky's seminal theory was called the Financial Instability Hypothesis. The paper itself wasn't heavy on math and formulas. It briefly explained the origin of financial crisis that happened in the absence of an outside shock like a war. The instability hypothesis basically goes like this. Bullet point one. When an economy is stable, people get optimistic. Bullet point two, when people get optimistic, they go into ever-increasing amounts of debt. And bullet point three, when they pile on debt, the economy becomes unstable. Minsky's big idea was that stability is destabilizing. A lack of recessions plants the seeds of the next recession, which is why we can never get rid of them. A grown belief that things will be okay pushes us, like a law of physics, towards something not going okay. This applies to investments too, End quote. So I like what Housel states here, as it reminds me of what Howard Marks, another famed investment writer, states about the inevitability of market cycles. The investors simply need to accept the inherent nature of financial markets, i.e. that they are cyclical. Housel, Hyman, and Howard, three chaps with a H in their name, that seem to know quite a bit about market cycles. Jay, hmm, what are your thoughts on what House has to say about Hyman Minsky's financial instability hypothesis? This idea that stability is destabilizing, that markets are essentially cyclical.
0: Well, it, it really comes down to the idea that you have to be comfortable. You have to, and it's one thing to say, look, it, there's going to be downtimes in your investment portfolio. There's going to be times where um, you're going to be running scared. and And it's one thing to actually accept that and make that part of your practice and there's been times where I've gone through a cycle and got scared and sold things off only to later regret it and I need to make sure that my hope is that people can learn from my experiences and that's why I'm here I'm trying to share my experiences and you know I I think I've mentioned previously on this podcast that when the pandemic first hit I got scared and I sold some stocks that uh, I have come to later regret that were they were sound investments sound companies and I sold them and wasn't willing to accept the uh, the idea that they're going to get hit and then ideally bounce back. And I think we're seeing that right now. Uh, stock markets around the world are being hit quite hard because of the events happening around the world. Mm. And is that part of the expected cycle that we should prepare ourselves for? So... Uh, this time around, I'm much more learned, I'm much more experienced, and I'm much easier, much more at ease with letting it go and parking it that this is part of the cycle. I'm not getting scared. I'm investing what I think are in strong companies and in strong ETFs, and I'm happy to park my money there and just keep on
1: um, sitting back and letting go, letting sure. it happen. Indeed, indeed. And, Jay, you know, before I dive into further insights from Morgan Housel, Let me explain something that I love about the artists of this world, whether they be writers like Morgan Housel, songwriters, dancers, actors, whoever. Something that helps me to form an everlasting bond with an artist is their ability to introduce me to their inferences, i.e. other artists. So on the way to our recording today, I was listening to Manish Boy by Muddy Waters, a late blues singer. Later on during my journey, I listened to a song entitled Monkey Man, by Toots and the Maytals, they're a reggae group from Jamaica. Both of these artists were introduced to me via my love of the Rolling Stones. So, in a somewhat similar sense, having read Morgan Housel for many years now, it's clear that his writing has introduced me to the theories and work of his own influences. One example is, of course, Hyman Minsky, who we have just mentioned. Ultimately, therefore, reading Housel has enabled me to expand my intellectual horizon manyfold, Jay, let's take a sidetrack from investing for a while. Do you have any examples of individuals or groups that you've been introduced to courtesy of your initial admiration for a particular artist? Well, the,
0: the first thing that comes to mind is when I was in uh, university and a friend had said, oh, you've got to go see this new movie. Um, and I wasn't a big movie buff. I like movies, but I wasn't a big movie buff. And he's like, this movie will, uh, will blow your mind. And it was the movie Pulp Fiction by Quentin mm. Tarantino. And all of a sudden, I became enamored with this this, this this friend that I went with who was a big Quentin Tarantino fan who I had never even heard of. I became enamored with uh, Quentin Tarantino movies, and that took me to sort of a new genre of Pulp Fiction kind of style movies. And then ultimately, you know, something like Usual Suspects, another great movie oh, yeah. that just sort of um, doesn't follow the typical narrative, movie narrative. And then mm-hmm. um, at the end, it all comes together, and it sort of blows your mind. Um, on a personal note, when it comes to finances, I think about, you know, the people, how my journey has evolved as the more people I've met. My friend Steve, who yeah. first um, talked to me about my investment strategy, uh, introduced me to Andrew Hellum. Sure. And yeah. then he told me, you got to go see him speak. He's he's talking here. I went and saw Andrew speak, and that was transformative for me. And then also he introduced me to Motley Fool, and he introduced me to you. Sure. And you, talking mm. to you, from you, I've mm. become more learned because I'm reading about people, what people have to say, like
1: Martin Housel. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's that kind of springboard effect, like compound effect. We've spoken a lot about compound interest over many episodes now and just how one individual, one group can lead to so many others. So um, it really is such a great example of compound interest. It really, really is. So, Jay, uh, this is episode 20, a multiple of 10, of course. So I was thinking, why don't we have a little bit of fun with the number 10? This section of the podcast is inspired by an article that Morgan Housel published for The Motley Fool in July 2015, entitled, Short Investing Philosophies, 10 Words or Less, in which, you guessed it, individuals within the investment industry summarise their investment philosophy in 10 words or less. Listeners, this was a great article to read, and Housel elicited a response from numerous individuals, which means I won't be able to read all of them out, Evil with Jay, but we'll certainly read a selection of those that resonated with our investment philosophies. Okay, so let's begin. On each occasion, Jay and I will read the name of the individual and then their 10 words or less investment philosophy. So we'll read our eight in total to begin with, and then we'll share our own, making a total of 10. Jay, are you ready? Yes, as a female
0: wise lead in a Disney movie once said... I think I've got this right.
1: Let's go. I like it. I like it. Okay, so Jay, could you kick things off with Morgan Housel's very own 10 words or less investment philosophy?
0: And I love this from Morgan Housel. Worry only when you think you have it figured out. I like
1: that. I like that. This is from Barry Ritholtz. Keep it simple, do less, and manage your stupidity. I laugh because... I try
0: to do that with myself. Uh, (laughs) uh, Robert Brokamp from Motley Fool says, diversification
1: reduces risk, increases predictability, and boosts returns. I like that. This is Michael Batnick from Ritholtz Wealth Management. Avoiding catastrophic mistakes matters more than constructing the perfect portfolio.
0: Uh, Colin Roach says, "Low fee, tax efficient, index based, global macro asset allocation." Whoa, wow. that's a that's a
1: mouthful there. It really is, and he got it just in—I think ten words exactly. So, Colin, <laughs> you just about got it just in there, ten words. This is Ben Carlson, another person we've mentioned frequently in the podcast. Ben Carlson, author of A Wealth of Common Sense, a great investment book. He states, "Less is more. Process over outcomes. Behavior is the key."
0: Justin Wolfers, an economist from the University of Michigan, says, save money, avoid costly
1: advice, diversify wisely. And here's Seth Jason from The Motley Fool. He states, be safe, keep your costs low, and don't overthink. Okay, so that's the eight investing philosophies that I stated that we would share. I'll now share my own, and then I'll hand it over to Jay to bring this 10 words or less themed discussion to a conclusion. Perhaps we might have a few more from some of our kind of uh, stop investing friends in Hong Kong, maybe a few our more. community. In, in community, Stop investing community. All right, let me clear my uh, throat here. Because he, here is uh, Mr. Sloth's investment philosophy in 10 words or less. Here we go. <clears throat> Roses are red, violets are blue. Invest like a sloth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't help but laugh when I read that because it's so poetic. I thank you, thank you. So poetic. Jay,
1: over to you. I mean, what's your investment philosophy in 10 words or less?
0: Well, I think back to my initial quote, um, worry only when you think you have it figured out. But that's not it because that's actually um, something I try to live by. But my uh, quote is, invest wisely and forget about it.
1: I like it. I like that a lot. I like that. So much great sentiment there. So much to unpack. I like it. I really do. So Jay, like I just alluded to a few moments ago, uh, I canvassed the opinion of some fellow investors in Hong Kong, part of our sloth investing community, okay? So this is a quote. This is what? Ten words or less that came from Nathan. And Nathan's clearly been listening to our podcast because he's referencing a, a previous podcast. Sure. And this is what he states, quite simply, get aboard the compounding train. And I like that five words. And in those five words, there's so much truth to be unpacked. And the following words are from Tim, another one of our investing buddies. This is what Tim states. The longest journey begins with the first step. I love this sentiment, Tim. And that can be applied to so many things in life. It really could be. It really could be. And you know, listeners, if you haven't started yet, or if you know someone that hasn't quite simply, there's no time like the present. Speaking of the present day, um, I like to bring things right up to the present day now with some of Morgan Housel's recent words on their geopolitics of today, primarily COVID 19 and the invasion of Ukraine. The following words are taken from an article that was published earlier this month on March 3rd. Begin quote What COVID 19 and the Ukrainian invasion have in common is that both happened many times before but Westerners consider them relics of history that wouldn't resurface in their own modern lives. Maybe the common lesson is that there are difficult parts of humanity that can't be outgrown, end quote. And it's interesting to note that several days after sharing a link to this article on Twitter, hazel tweeted, Happy to share that I have no idea what happens next. J. Jay? Like Morgan Housel, neither of us are geopolitical experts. I mean, I like to read history books, politics, but you know, we have read and discussed plenty concerning geopolitics and investing for sure. But we're not political geopolitical experts. So, uh, what are your thoughts concerning geopolitical events and the thought processes of investors?
0: Well, the, the and then this, and this uh, as a teacher, I start. I tell people. The older I get, the more I figure out that I don't know and I don't have it figured out, Mm. and that's what I really like about Morgan Housel. You know, he's he's happy to share that he doesn't has no idea what happens next, and none of us do. Mm. None of us do. So I there's I'm part of chat groups, and someone's saying, oh, you know, what should I do? Because what's going to happen next? Will the things go down? And I'm I'm quite blatant that nobody knows. There are none of it. anyone who tells you here exactly what's going to happen next. They, they don't know. Mm. They're, they're, they're taking a shot. They can take educated guesses and best guesses, but absolutely. And this is when it comes down to sort of that my investment philosophy of um, invest and forget. Invest wisely mm. and forget. Because we have been through this cycle before. It's not the first time the world has seen a war or a pandemic um, and if you can just invest and forget, and I believe Warren Buffett sort of advocates for the same idea that if someone had just invested, you know, uh, towards the tail end of world, what was it? World War two. Yeah. yeah. And sure. just forgotten about it. Yeah. Um, they would have been a millionaire many times over. Yeah. Um, so my advice to you is ignore the noise. I'm sorry. My advice to myself and my own children would be ignore the noise, ignore what's happening geopolitically. Um, um here in Asia, um, invest wisely. Mm. Find companies that you think or ETFs that you think are going to do well, um, invest there. And don't think on the short term, because Mm. if you start to think, well, what's going to happen in the next six months? Well, you're probably not investing for the right reasons. You're not investing for retirement, you're investing for short term gains. And for me, I'm taking a long term horizon, five, 10 years, I I don't want to be, I'm not thinking about getting my money out six months from now, because that's more of like a gambling lottery Mm. pick. And I'm not doing that. I'm here to invest and hopefully
1: have a Um, some comfortability down the road. Yeah, for sure. And going back to what you mentioned earlier, I think at the top of the uh, episode, we mentioned that Morgan Housel has sold over 1 billion books. And yet that tweet that occurred just earlier this month, he tweeted out, happy to share that I have no idea what happens next. And so when I think about Housel, I think about humility. I mean, if I were to reconstruct my five bedrock principles, okay, S-L-O-T-H, if I had to think of another word for H instead of headstrong, I would probably use humility. And I think that's something that comes out really clearly to me when I think about Morgan Housel. The fact that, despite the fact that he's been writing for many years, he sold over a million books, humility shines through so strongly with Morgan Housel. And I think that's something that all investors need to possess. And like you say, there's we have no idea what will happen. I mean, in terms of COVID-19. There was a big drop in March 2020, and personally, my belief was that it would be a sustained drop. But really, was within within weeks, the market yes. came back. See, and he, and, and, that, and that's exactly what yeah. I, I guess what I'm, I'm trying to share with learners
0: that yeah. learn from my mistake. I'm sorry, our listeners yeah. learn from my mistakes because mm. I thought with you, yeah. I'm going to sell now because there's going to be a big drop, and I thought I had it figured out, and yeah. I thought I had the market beat. Well, I'll buy back in when things are much cheaper, and that cheaper
1: time to buy back in never came. Yeah. And to circle back to, I think, Benjamin Graham, way back early on in our first few episodes, we mentioned the parable of Mr. Market. We don't know how Mr. Market is going to behave, how it's going to perform. So just keep things simple. Keep investing, keep dollar cost averaging, and just you never know how Mr. Market is going to behave. You really don't. Okay, so Jay, to kind of bring things to a close for this episode, I wanted to tell our listeners that I recently received a heartwarming tweet from a fellow listener from another listener who mentioned that he regularly listens to the podcast with his children. Okay. So therefore I think it'd be fitting if we finished a podcast with an extract from an article that Morgan Housel published for the Motley Fool in October, 2015, that was entitled financial advice, my new son. Okay. So here's a key extract from that article. Begin quote, your savings rate has little to do with how much you earn and a lot to do with how much you spend. I know a dentist who lives paycheck to paycheck, always on the sliver's edge of financial ruin. I know another who never earned more than $50,000 and saved a fortune. The difference is entirely due to their spending. How much you make doesn't determine how much you have, and how much you have doesn't determine how much you need. Don't become a money hoarder or a miser, but really, but sorry, but realize that learning to live with less is the easiest and most efficient way to gain control of your financial future, end quote. I really like that, Jay, that simple contrast that Housewell provides us with concerning spending and saving. Again, I'll repeat this ever more. These are simple lessons that young people should be taught from a young age. Let's just reference, circle back to the quote a little bit, some highlights. Your savings rate has a little to do with how much you earn and a lot to do with how much you spend. And I also love this, this statement from Housel. Don't become a money hoarder or a money miser. Powerful ideas indeed. Jay, what are your thoughts on Morgan Housel? What, what he has to say here? Well, I think we, as
0: an educator and um, living here in Hong Kong, you sometimes you'll see um, the salary for a lot of people here in Hong Kong. People are like, oh wow, you make that much money? Well, it, yes, you make that much money, but there's also a the cost of living. and. The, yeah. we we're to, by the time you tax, um, you have the tax rate, but then also the, the living, the cost of living here. Um, it, it's not about how much you earn, it's about how much you can actually save. And in Hong Kong, I think people would do well to sort of understand that a, a high salary also comes with a high cost of living. Sure. Um, and one of the things that I've learned to do in my life is to simplify less is more. And what I like about that approach is that I'm starting to find that I enjoy the things that I have more and I, I really admit that I do like nice technology. I do like a yeah. nice computer. I do like um, a nice TV and I'll spend on those, but I don't need a whole lot of other little things and that that's worked well for me. I, that's what in my life brings me happiness and enjoyment. Mm. Um having a nice computer that I can um, edit family videos and um, being able to watch them on the TV, but also, I spend my money on family experiences rather than, um, things. Yeah. And that's what, that's what's worked well for me. So I I like, I like the point how he points out, you don't need to be a hoarder or a miser. Mm. Um, but for me personally, I do spend money. I do spend it on, on experiences with my family. We travel to Well, when we can travel, Yeah, yeah. I tra- we travel <coughs> together. We, we have shared experiences together. And that's what a lot of my money goes to. So it's not about things as much as it is about experiences. And that's how
1: I allocate my disposable income. Mm, great lessons. Great lessons indeed. Okay. So, Jay, I think that brings episode 20 to a close. So, listeners, if you want to read more from Morgan Housel, and we thoroughly recommend his book, The Psychology of Money, which, of course, Jay and I discussed during episode 16 of the podcast, as we mentioned before. You can also follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is quite simply at Morgan Housel. And you can read the literally numerous articles. I think actually maybe might be into thousands of articles that he that he wrote during his time at The Motley Fool, okay, by clicking on the link in the description for this episode. So I'm going to provide a link in the description for the episode that would take you to the numerous articles that Housel wrote wrote during his time at the Motley Four. So I'll leave you now with some of the final words from Colin, column number 3000 for Morgan Housel during his time at the Motley Four.
0: It's impressive that you went through that and you were able to identify column 3000. Yeah
1: I mean basically I, I've got a, a folder at home and it contains numerous articles and I, I, I this one this one was titled, uh, I'm just now realizing how stupid we are, some things I've learned. And at the very beginning, he states, this is column number 3000. I'm like, wow. Okay, that, so you didn't count it. He no, pointed it I out. Didn't. Yeah, <laughs> he, he points it out. I mean, yeah, he points it out. I'm like, wow. When I read that from him, like, wow, column number 3000, Morgan, that's pretty impressive, okay? Mm-hmm. And this is, at front of, this is from the final part of that particular column, okay? And he states, I've learned that do nothing, is the best advice for almost everyone almost all the time. I love that. I love that. Jay, any closing thoughts? Uh,
0: My closing thought is where was he in March 2020 um, in my life? Why did I not have a sort of a a more valuable learning experience from
1: him to help me prevent me from my great sell off? Well, Elise is in our lives now, both of our lives. And Morgan Housel, thank you very much. I'm, I'm, like, I'm hoping that perhaps Morgan might even give the episode a listen. I'll certainly uh, tag him into uh, the tweet that I send out to uh, my followers on, uh, on Twitter. So, Morgan, if you're listening, keep up the good work. Keep up the fantastic writing. And uh, if you are listening, I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next episode. So long for now.
0: For more tips, follow the Sloth Investor on Twitter at Sleuth underscore Investor.